efforts to advance copyright reform on Capitol Hill are not limited to a single piece of legislation, and thereby hangs a tale of inside the beltway politics. Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. Every Friday, we invite Andrew Albanese of Publishers Weekly to join us for a review of publishing news. You'd think we'd be focused on New York City, but in recent weeks, the show has concentrated on all that's happening in Washington, D.C. over copyright reform, and this edition will be no different. Andrew Albanese, welcome back to Beyond the Book. Hey there, Chris. Well, we will try to move away from Capitol Hill just a bit. We want to start uh, this morning's program with some congratulations to this year's Pulitzer Prize winners who were announced earlier this week. Yeah, that's right. So this week, the recipients of the 101st Pulitzer Prizes were announced on April 10th, what would have been Joseph Pulitzer's 170th birthday. And they were handed out during a announced during a ceremony at Columbia University's Pulitzer Hall here in New York City. And congratulations are in order for Colson Whitehead, who won the Pulitzer in fiction for the Underground Railroad. And Colson Whitehead should be getting used to this kind of thing. Now he also took home the 2016 National Book Award for fiction for this book. In general nonfiction, Matthew Desmond won for Evicted Poverty and Profit in an American City. It's an outstanding book. I can vouch for this. It's a deeply researched expose that shows uh, how mass evictions after the 2008 economic crash were uh, less a consequence than a cause of poverty. Uh, you can read all about the winners on the PW site, and you can also read our reviews of the books and some author Q&As, all kinds of stuff like this on the PW site. So uh, congratulations to the Pulitzer winners again. And if you haven't read the books, do pick them up. They're outstanding. Well, indeed, but that kind of puts the publishing news of our program uh, to an end, Andrew, because we've got to get back to politics. Uh, it's remarkable. It's the, it's the year of politics in publishing, uh, 2017. And a story uh, in Publishers Weekly this week that's gotten some traffic is asking whether publishing is too liberal. And that question brings around a name we haven't talked about for at least a couple of weeks, Milo Yiannopoulos. So tell us all about that. Yeah, so the piece is really sort of a postscript to the whole Yiannopoulos story, which we talked about quite a bit on this show, and it's getting major play online. And, you know, check it out on the PW site, and I'll just add this. Read the comments. <laughs> they're not all great, but they're all very telling. Uh, but I think that the one agent in this piece really sort of hit the nail on the head for me uh, when he was asked about publishing's liberal bent and whether it's keeping people like Yiannopoulos from being heard. Politics is a dangerous thing to be candid about, this agent said. And I I think that's a really good, uh, it's, it's an outstanding observation. Now, as we discussed on this show, I don't think SNS should have gotten in bed with Milo Yiannopoulos in the first place. And I don't see choosing whether to go into business with someone or not, uh, based on whether or not you can get behind their ideas as stifling free speech in any way. But I am going to acknowledge something that the piece hits at, and that's that it is a slippery slope. And I do think it's good that we in the book industry, with our notable liberal bent here, do check ourselves every once in a while. So if you haven't had a chance to check yourself, if you haven't had a chance to think about your liberal bias, give this piece a look on the PW website and uh, join in the conversation. All right. While everybody does a little bit of a check on their political conscience, we're going to take a break and be back in just a moment with more of Beyond the Book. 
Publishers Weekly Radio has the very best in book talk directly from New York City, the heart of the book publishing world. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. And I'm Rose Fox. I'm a Senior Reviews Editor at Publishers Weekly. Join us every Friday for a full hour of exciting author interviews, best-selling books, and expert reports on the nuts and bolts of publishing. Every week, we make sure that you have the inside story of your favorite story. Take a listen at publishersweekly.com slash pwradio. This is Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book, and we return with Andrew Albanese and our Friday feature, looking at the news in publishing as well as the news in legislation around copyright, which has been so much of what we've been talking about throughout this year. And Andrew Albanese, in Monday's issue, you have a provocative story about Congress's bid to make the Register of Copyrights a presidential nominee. And you say that this tells us a lot about the future, the potential future for copyright reform. Yeah, you know, and basically I'm thinking we're probably not going to see any meaningful reform for a very, very long time. Uh, whether this bill that's now before Congress passes or not, I think it's, its introduction alone tells us all we need to know, that the politics of copyright, which have always been contentious, and especially so in the digital age, are really now in danger of becoming ossified. Uh, that this first bill to come from this much-hyped bipartisan review of the nation's copyright laws seeks to politicize the U.S. Copyright Office. To me, that just kind of represents another nadir, yet another nadir in our political evolution. Uh, and I think it raises serious doubts that we will see thoughtful, meaningful revisions to the U.S. Copyright Act anytime soon. Congress is politicizing something? I am shocked about this, Andrew. But we need to hear a little bit more about why you think that and, and also some update on the status of the bill at this moment. Sure. So as our listeners may recall, the bill was introduced on March 23rd. It was dubbed the Register of Copyright Selection and Accountability Act. And it proposes to do one thing, which is to take the Register of Copyrights out of the purview of the Librarian of Congress and make it a Senate-confirmable presidential appointee. But despite lining up 33 bipartisan co-sponsors, as well as support in the Senate, and rushing the bill through markup and out of committee in just six days, the bill is now stalled. Uh, it's stalled over a procedural issue in the House. But with the House now in recess until April 25th, it's unclear whether lawmakers are going to pick this bill up quickly again, uh, whether opposition is going to mount and actually, you know, have a chance of knocking it aside in the coming weeks, or, you know, whether they are going to pick it up again. We just don't know what's going to happen with this bill. Now, our listeners may remember that this bill comes after about six months after Librarian of Congress Carla Hayden and her first big move ousted Maria Palante from her post as Register of Copyrights. And that, of course, outraged leaders in the content industries who had counted uh, Palante as a close ally. But it was also a problem for Congress, because at the time, Palante was working closely with the House Judiciary Committee, including the sponsors of this bill, Goodlatte and John Conyers, on a review of our nation's copyright laws. And that was actually inspired by Maria Palante and her policy tract, the next great Copyright Act. But now here we are four years after that initial copyright review was announced, uh, and it's really been slow going for the committee. Uh, and remember, we're talking about digital copyright here. These are things that have a shelf life, right? I mean, think about what your phone did four years ago versus what it does now. Technology is a fast-moving target. And even though these hearings ended two years ago, after 20 hearings and a listening tour in various cities and testimony from over 100 witnesses, we still have really very little to show for this committee's work. But the interesting thing is when Hayden abruptly removed Maria Polante uh, from 
from the U.S. Copyright Office last fall, she also dealt a blow to the committee's work, whether she knew it or not. And that's because Palante was the motivation for this committee. She was its vision. She was her. She guided it through their counsel, and the hearings were actually completed on her watch. So it follows that the policy positions we're going to get from this committee are really going to be you know, Palantes in many cases. Case in point, the first and only policy proposal we've seen from the committee thus far, which was released last December, proposed to establish an independent copyright office. And that is something that Palante herself prioritized and has strongly advocated for when she was registered. So supporters of the bill insist that it's necessary to modernize the copyright office. And that, in fact, it has nothing to do with boxing out Carla Hayden. You'll see a bunch of editorials this week online saying that very thing, that this has nothing to do with Hayden. This is all about making a better copyright office. But any plain reading of the bill shows that this measure does nothing to actually modernize the copyright office. And I'm thinking it clearly has everything to do with Hayden. You know, look at it this way. With Palante now out as Register of Copyright, each forthcoming proposal from the House Judiciary Committee after its four-year review would have to be evaluated by a Register of Copyrights appointed by Carla Hayden. And that's a potential nightmare for Bob Goodlatte and his committee. Uh, imagine, you know, he the, entirely based on Maria Palante's feelings on copyright, and now suddenly everything that they put out is going to be uh, evaluated by a Register that may have have a different point of view, uh, essentially rendering their work possibly moot. So you, you can see the tension there. Indeed, I can. It's a fascinating analysis that you put forward, Andrew Albanese, uh, your analysis to be reported in PW uh, on, the, on the coming issue. Uh, yet it remains to be seen whether all of this is uh, going to come together and, and really have impact on the current bill. Tell us a little bit more about that. We still don't know what's going to happen with the current bill. And I still think there's a lot of things that Congress can do here. But, you know, what I really try to focus on in the, in the latest piece is what it says about where we're going with copyright reform. Now, I don't think that this bill was introduced specifically to keep a register of copyrights from evaluating the House Judiciary Committee's proposals when they start to come out, though I think that was a part of it. But I just don't think what this says about copyright reform means that we're going to get anything good happening anytime soon. This bill is just so baldly political uh, that it really kind of, I would say, taints the work of the committee before it even starts to come out. Now, the consolation that I take here is that I don't think we were ever going to see meaningful copyright reform. I don't think Bob Goodlatte and the House Judiciary Committee are going to be the first people to die on that hill. I think that you can look back to 2012 and the SOPA fiasco to see how bitterly divided Congress really is on digital copyright issues and how little will they have to actually take them up again. But what's troublesome, as I said to me about this bill, is that it was just so baldly political uh, that it might taint anything that can come from the review. And it really didn't need to be this way because there is actually broad consensus that the Copyright Office is in dire need of modernization and rounding up support for more resources and more attention should be hard. But instead, here we are once again in a contentious debate about copyright. Indeed. Uh, copyright reform has led to some Byzantine politics, and we appreciate your analysis of the situation. Andrew Albanese, senior writer at Publishers Weekly, thanks for joining us on Beyond the Book. My pleasure, as always. Well, as we have been hearing, H.R. 1695, the Register of Copyrights Selection and Accountability Act of 2017, proposes to change how the U.S. Register of Copyrights is appointed. And Keith Cooperschmidt, CEO at the Copyright Alliance, which represents individual artists and creators, as well as more than 40 trade associations, says the change does much more than that. 
It also creates a more balanced, a more neutral, and more transparent selection process compared to the existing process, which is under the exclusive discretion of the librarian. This bill would give that power to Congress to have some input, and more importantly to the American public to have some say in who the next register of copyrights should be. Why the Copyright Alliance believes the Copyright Office needs a makeover. Next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, a global leader in content management, discovery, and document delivery solutions. Through its relationships with those who use and create content, Copyright Clearance Center and its subsidiaries Rights Direct and Nexus drive market-based solutions that accelerate knowledge, power publishing, and advance copyright. Beyond the Book co-producer and recording engineer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. Thank you.